Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Velocity TV and Radio. I'm Andrew Cast. That's Aaron Parkinson to my, I don't know, left, right, whatever. We have an interesting topic today, probably the burning question, Aaron. I call this the burning question topic. The burning question. If I'm in sales, if I'm making presentations, how do I get people to say no less? Why do they say no to me so much, right? Why, uh, why can't I get more yeses? And we're going to dissect, I guess, the art and the science of turning your sales process into more of a yes process. And uh, I'm going to let you kick it off here because uh, this is something that you have a pretty interesting framework around that, of course, I'll have comments as well. So let's do it. Well, and I think we need to address the, the mini elephant in the room for you and I, which is why on earth are we doing a sales velocity show on a Saturday? And <laughs> the reality is, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, yesterday we thought we had a tech problem. We had to kill the show. It turned out, bizarrely enough, my huge echoey office was feeding back into your mic. You could hear yourself coming in. We were, thought we were having tech meltdowns. Turns out it was just a simple volume issue. Had to kill the show. Now we're doing it on a Saturday. Now, here, here, here's a big thing, Andrew. Most people, you know, they don't value consistency and they don't value just getting the job done. They'd be like, I ain't doing it on a Saturday. Let's just skip it till next week. But you and I were like, no, we're getting it done. We've made this commitment. Your commitment and your follow through is everything. We're doing this show. Instead of it being on a Friday, it's on a Saturday. That just should show our listeners how much we value you know, them tuning in. Yeah, I agree. And if you're listening on radio, you have no idea what we're even talking about right now. <laughs> but if you're used to chiming in on our Friday live stream out of the Facebook group, you're like, and we had a bunch of people going, where's the show? Where's the show? I'm getting into that habit of watching you guys on a Friday. And uh, we appreciate that. But yeah, things happen. Tech happens. And you're right. Um, we got to get a show on every single week. We love it. We love the content that we do and we love the feedback that we get from doing the content. So you're right. We showed up and at the time of this recording, it is on a Saturday. And I think you made a great point right there um, is consistency and in selling. Yeah, absolutely. Con consistency and, and in selling the, is everything. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that, that we have to address is the fact that some people might think we just do this show, but we don't actually actively do the things, we, the things we teach in the show, right? Right. That's always, so let the, me ask you a question. That's always the, the, you know, do they really teach and do the thing? Is there, yeah, is there, I, I don't, I don't want to learn. It's, it's why I dropped out of university is, is yeah. I felt like I was learning from people who didn't have any business experience. At least it, it, I was in my first four years of universities, so maybe in graduate school, I would have got some, but I was learning from people that had no business experience and were making nowhere near the amount of money that I wanted to make. And so it wasn't congruent in my mind with the reason that I was there. So I left. So for those people that are wondering, like, do you guys actually ever sell anything? Uh, we sell a lot. And, and, and so I'll ask you, Andrew, how many sales calls a, a week do you think you do? I would say on average nowadays, new year, 2021, I probably do a good 10 a week. Yeah, I would say that's 10 a week, but, and they're really, you know, they're not volume, 
they're really well positioned by the time someone gets to me, they're ready to talk about doing something, right? And that's just, that's all a process-based sales process, which we'll talk about today. That's really, I guess the big secret before we get going is how do you get to more yeses and less noes? You have an elegant system that warms people up and provides them with the right information and value leading up to you so that in most cases, in a perfect world, they come to you predisposed to buy. It's more of just a needing to hear a little bit more, maybe get to know you and figure out what's the best route that you think I should make. And that takes a long time to get to that level, right? That's a great place to be. Well, it, it takes time and it takes a system, right? And, and there were times in your life, you know, in, in your history, Andrew, I mean, you were in the, in the mortgage industry, you were in the wall street world. I mean, back in those days, what did they tell you to do? Yeah, that was, you know, investment banking days and then mortgage banking days after that. It's a lot of good old fashioned, make a ton of dials. I mean, as a young kid coming up pre-internet uh, in the brokerage industry in New York, it was all phone, dial, phone, dial. I mean, you had to make two, 300 dials a day. So it was all just grunt work, dialing and showing up cold. And that's all, that's all that creates. We, we talk about selling with less resistance. Those processes are selling with more resistance. All you do is create resistance on top of resistance on top of resistance. And really what we try to do in the show here and what we'll talk about here today is how do you just continue to stack the deck in your favor so you have less resistance with everything that you do in your sales process and ultimately when somebody gets to meet with you in person or on a Zoom or on the phone. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people will see the title of the show and they'll be like, oh, great, I'm going to come onto the show today and they're going to tell me the magic words when somebody gives me the no to turn them into the yes. Give and I'm here word. to tell you right at the top of the show is absolutely not what I'm going to do because I think that way of selling is outdated. It has a lot of friction. It's exhausting. And most importantly, it's unnecessary. I would much rather have a process put in place where people are showing up trying to prove to me that I am a good candidate for your business. That's how you sell with less resistance. Yeah. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about the old school way, right? The old school way, there's, there's always five key reasons why, 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 that people will give you why they don't wanna buy your product or your service, right? Number one, I have to think about it, right? Old school way, you'd say something like, <laughs> well, what question could I answer for you right at this moment that would allow you to get over your concern around moving forward with this process today? Now, again, not saying that that doesn't work for a small percentage of people, but it's got friction. Andrew, what, what else have you heard in the past? I, I, I I'm, I'm, gonna laugh. I'm laughing here as you do this because coming up as a young stockbroker at 21 years old, 22 years old, you can only imagine the things they taught us to say. This is a very hard direct sale. Again, no technology, no elegance, no grace like we put in place today. So like in your, in your, I'm not interested example, I can, I'm laughing because I, it's almost like it's still embedded in my brain from like 30 years ago. Guy says, I'm not interested. And they teach you to say, well, well, what do you think right now? Well, I need to think of, you said, I think you said, I need to think about it, right? What do, you, what do you think about it? Well, what do you think right now? We would always try to get them into the right now stage, right? It was always like just boxing them in, boxing them in, right? I'm not interested. You're not interested in what? What exactly is it you're not interested in? So it's kind of like, you're almost like always in like, like you're always challenging their response. And, you know, there might've been a place for that in sales back in the day, but with the tools and systems and the ability to automate and leverage today, 
you don't, like you said, you don't have to be a hardcore, pushy salesperson today. But as we go through these, it's funny because it's bringing back my old, old, old school sales training in the brokerage space, which is probably some of the most aggressive sales training out there. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough slogging. I'm going to yeah. give my hand. I'm going to give my quest, the, 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 the objection, my overcoming that objection. And then you give over your overcoming objection. Um, I need to talk to my business partner or my husband or my wife before I make a decision, right? Do you always have to talk to your partner or your wife or your husband before you make a decision? Is there, is there a trust issue that's embedded there? Do they not trust you to, to make a decision that you feel would be beneficial for your relationship or your business and, and, and have that confidence in you to move forward? with that decision, all completely you know, like, based around challenging yeah. their ego. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of breaking people down, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to talk to my business partner about it, Andrew. What, what was a typical Something along the lines, Aaron, of you and I both know that if you go talk to your wife or business partner and you try to relay this information third hand to them, it's going to get lost in the shuffle and you're going to probably miss out on a great opportunity that really is here and now and da, 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 something along those lines, right? So it was really, it was really trying to invalidate all the reasons why that's not a good answer. Right. right? Somebody says to you, uh, the price is a little steep. X, Y, D, X, Y, Z does it cheaper, right? So what you're telling me is that if you want to go out and you want to win the Indy 500, what you're looking for is the cheapest model of car that's going to allow you to get on the circuit and you feel 100% confident that you're going to be able to win the race because you bought a car for the lowest price. Is that, is that what you're telling me right now? Is that what you want to do, right? Do you really want to do that? Think about that long term as a decision, right? You'd really, you'd challenge the cheapest option. You'd challenge the talk to the partner. You'd challenge the I'm not interested right now, right? So that's a tough place to start when you're in challenge mode. But listen, at the end of the day, Aaron, you and I both know, it's very natural for rebuttals to happen. People are going to say things that, that aren't a yes, and there are ways to get around that. So the old school way that you're talking about right now, which is to challenge belief systems and to really kind of you know, almost make them feel bad about their answer. Right. It's, it, it's, 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 it's awkward for everybody. And yeah, it isn't, it, and it doesn't create less resistance. It creates more resistance. Absolutely. The last two big ones for me is number one, I don't have any money right now. Okay. Well, Andrew, let's talk about your financial situation. Let's talk about options. Do you have a credit card? What's your limit on it right now? Do you have somebody that you could ask to borrow the money? When is your next payday? Can you push off some of your bills on that next payday so that we can get started getting you results today? Right? This would be the standard way to overcome the I don't have any money question right now. Right? That's the, that, the old school way of doing it. Anything you want to add to that? No, those are, the, I mean, those are them right there. You just, you, you, I, I think the other big one is, listen, you and I both know that if a family member got into a pinch and you needed to bail them out of a health crisis or some sort of, and needed to come up with five grand in a pinch, you and I both know you would circle the wagons and probably be able to come up with that money in a, in a day or so. This is no different, right? These kind of things. I don't know if that's word for word, but it's that. Yeah, I've, not, I've, it's I've the, heard that one a million that times. Methodology. The, the last one I get is, how do I know it's going to work? Right? So, yeah, I mean, that, know, that's, back, one, that's a funny one, Aaron, because that's always like, like somebody's looking for a guarantee, which... Right. Almost. Right. And, and in the past, if I got that, you know, back in the day of hardcore sales, I'd say, well, the bigger question is, 
how do I know if you're going to work? Because <laughs> I know that my XYZ product works 100% of the time right now. We're not talking about whether my product is going to work. We're talking about whether you're going to do the work. So let me ask you, sir, are you willing to do the work that it's going to take to get the result that you told me you wanted to get? Right? Yeah. Trying to balance Flipping out that right equation. Around, putting them on their heels. Yeah. Lots of, lots of challenging, you know, their assumptions. And it's tiring, man. It's tiring on both sides. And then a lot of times people will get off the phone or get off a session and, and, and not feel like they made the decision themselves, but the decision was made for them. And that's, that's always a place you don't want to be. You know, and, you, and that, that's exactly where, you know, it's important to, to educate our audience, right? You can use language. You can use NLP. You can use tactics, and they will work a certain percentage of the time. But the person didn't make that decision on their own. You coerced them into that decision. And the moment that you're, they're done making that decision, now what happens after they've given you the credit card or they've sent you the money or whatever, now they instantly go into the buyer's remorse cycle. I gotta tell you first. Because right? they know subconsciously they didn't make that decision on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. That's, that's how you get big refunds or change changes of minds or people not paying. And then it's like, oh, that, I mean, that's worse, right? Did all that work and what didn't go well, everybody kind of felt awkward. Then like no money exchanges hands and it's even worse. It's just a bad, it's a bad cycle to get in. But it brings me to a funny story. I just got a new, a new truck last week, a week ago. I got the Cadillac XT6, the, the, you know, the big lovely. Yeah. Beautiful truck with, with the third seat. And I go down to the deal, and you know how the dealers work. I go down to the dealer. I'm looking at the cars I want to look at. I decide on the one I want for the most part, but it's not like the color scheme I want. And But these guys are trained, the sales guys. They're trained to say, hey, listen, um, I mean, I could give you a call back next week if something else comes in, but if you come in right now and sit down with my manager, we're going to be able to really get you the best deal possible today. I said, and, you, and being in sales, I'm the last guy you want to start that shit with, Right. So I'm like, listen, buddy, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I've been in sales my whole life. I'm not coming to sit down with anybody today. In fact, if you can give me a call in a couple days, let me know if you have my color scheme. I'm happy to come in, but I'm not going to sit down today to save an extra hundred bucks a month to get a car scheme and a color scheme I don't want just to save money. But they're always, they need to get you in the seat and then bring the manager over to make it like he's massaging the deal. There's this whole process, by the way, with, with that. And I love pattern interrupting those guys in totally spinning their whole pitch on, on its head and doing everything that, 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 that they don't want to happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I just did it I, to I, him. I, do the, same thing just, with, I yeah. do the same thing with auto dealers where I'll go and I'll look at it and they try to put me in the box. They call it yeah. the box. You know, try to get You know when box. you're getting boxed in because you're, you're in sales, right? So it's, yeah, it's funny yeah. sometimes. They want to get me in the office. They want me to talk to the person, the finance guy. This, I'm like, okay, first off, I'm paying cash. So I'm not going to the box. Secondly, I'm going to go think about it and I'm going to send you an offer later. And then I will literally email whoever it is, you know, two days later and say, here's my offer. I'm not interested in negotiating. I'm not interested in countering. Do not contact me unless we are good to go on this offer. End of story. But right? listen, if you, now if, you, if you have a real sales pro who deals with like guys being a little bit like we're, we're kind of poking fun at them. But a real professional salesperson, they handle that well. The, the novice salespeople get all jammed up because you've taken them. Most people always comply. Yeah, sure. You know what? I'll try to get in today and whatnot. And they're all real nice with them. But I always like to try to tell them no for everything, even if I want to say yes, because I just like to see how they react. 
It's almost <laughs> it's almost funny at some point. And by the way, a lot of you should try that. I mean, you should you should see what you should see how people respond and and what their rebuttal is because once in a while when you do it, you'll find somebody who answers you in a really good way and it's not even a, a, it's not even a, a, a cheesy hardcore way. It's in a way where you know, that makes sense. Like they somehow met in the middle, right? You'll find somebody who's a pro who can do it more elegantly. Yeah. And, and occasionally on, on, when I hit them up, they'll say, you know what? Um, I can't do that, but I could do this and throw in these extra benefits and blah, blah, blah. Oh, maybe they opened me up or I can't do it now, but you know, we've got this great sale coming in the fall. Do you think you could wait that long before you decided to purchase because if we can wait till that time, yeah. I, I probably could get my manager to do that deal. Would that be acceptable to you? Yeah. Yeah. And like very yeah, respectful about it, kind of giving you options. You'll, you'll find the pro. The rookie guy the other day, he was just totally deflated when I said, no, I'm not coming in today under any circumstances. So like to him, it was like his whole day was over. He didn't know where to go because you could tell he was kind of new. Because he has no tools. He has no tools. He has no, he has no tools training. No experience. He has no tools. But listen, he also doesn't really have great people skills because if you have great people skills and great communication skills, you can easily navigate around the rebuttals and still maintain a good relationship and still put that person in your pipeline and put them in a process to follow up with them. And it can, you know, you should expect people to say no quite a bit. The question is, how do we close that gap and get people to more people to say yes? But the reality is most people won't say yes now. So a lot of times it's no for now. It's no right now, not no indefinitely. And two episodes ago, an episode, I want to say 10 or 11, I don't know what the topic was, education-based marketing and why you need that component in your business. And we showed that, do you remember we showed that pyramid of, of really yes. like three to 7% of people are in buying mode right now, but 60% of people could be persuaded to buy. They're not really sure if they're not interested because they haven't been shown the right offer. And most people still focus on that teeny tiny two or 3% at the top of the graph. You can go to salesvelocitytv.com. You can see that graph um, in the show notes on episode, I think it was 11. And it's really helpful because if you understand that there's different buying levels where people's mindset is, and you start to open the mouth of, of, of where people are in the buying process, you can structure your marketing, your sales so that you're in front of way more people and not just trying to shove your product down the throat of the two or 3% who are ready to buy now, which is even probably lower than that. Right. And, and the way to sell with less resistance is to actually get information in people's hands that overcome these objections before they actually get to you. So let's work backwards through those objections. Mm -hmm. How do I know it's going to work for me? This comes down to very clearly knowing who your ideal customer is, only marketing to your ideal customer and then providing them with information, i.e. case studies, testimonials, reviews of people who have wanted the exact same things they want, have had the same problems that they have, and by engaging with you, have overcome all of those obstacles. You put those things into somebody's hands ahead of time, then they've already made the decision whether or not it's gonna work for them because you've already shown them multiple examples of people just like them who've already got the results. Case studies so big to, there. Case studies big there. Case studies are huge, right? You break down their resistance and, and you start to build this belief system inside of them where these people really get me. They understand my problems. Yeah. 
they've clearly helped other people just like me. These are the people I've been searching for the whole time, right? You know who did a great job of this? Great job of this is uh, the car company. I can't remember the name because it's wrong cars right now. They've just exploded. I can't remember the name of the company. Maybe you will. Like a kind of a company? They've actually got car vending machines right now. Where? Where you are? They've got them in, in the United States. They've actually got car vending machines. And then, there's, and, and then they've actually gone a step beyond that where you can order the car online and they will deliver it to your house, insured, drop it off the truck, give you the keys and say, there's your car. Concierge style. I've heard of that with the high-end cars. Right? No, you know, this you, is you, with, you go get a high-end Mercedes or, or a Bentley. You don't need to test drive it in most cases. You just yeah, go. and this isn't for like Bentley and Mercedes and oh, all really? that stuff. Okay. This is for average cars. It might be CarMax. might be, be the name of the brand. Could be, yeah. Big one. My, my wife saw this and she was like, Oh my God, the next time we buy a car, I am buying it exactly like this because I hate talking to salespeople. Yeah. I hate going into the office. I hate going, being stuffed in the box. I hate spending nine hours. Why don't I spend nine hours in a dealership to sign some pieces of paper and oh, get some in, keys I, to a car? Yeah. When I decided on that car, I'm like two hours gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, and, and that's the thing is she, they are appeasing her desires. They get her, right? So they created a process. And that's most and people, by the way. Most people pain. would love to avoid that process. Absolutely. They, they spoke to her pain. She's like, that's the only place I'm buying a car from now on. Yeah. Right. Cause they, they spoke to, they, they said those things. Do you hate going into a dealership? Do you hate this? Do you hate high pressure? Do you hate spending six hours to buy a car? Blah, blah, blah. Why don't you just go online, buy a car and we'll deliver it to your house pre-insured with the keys ready for you. She's like done jackpot. Right. You know, who, they, you, know they, you know, who crushed it with this too, Aaron is, is years ago online was Zappos with the shoe thing. Absolutely. Nobody ever would have thought that you could somehow ship shoes to people and they would pay the shipping back and forth because they really, obviously the elephant in the room was, well, how am I going to try, how am I going to buy shoes without trying them on? You know what? We're going to ship them to you at our expense. You'll buy them. Of course, if you don't like the way they fit, you send them back. We'll send you the postage. If you like the way they fit, you keep them and you could go back and forth until the shoe fit the way you want. But what did you avoid? You avoided the stores and the salespeople and the trying things on and getting out of your house and going to the, probably would have been even better today when people are stuck inside Due to the Absolutely. pandemic over the past and year. I don't think they're around now. They sold. By the way, sold. by the way, Aaron, did you know the the founder of Zappos? What Tony was Shea. Tony Shea, who I met in Las Vegas about 10 years ago, passed away passed about away. six months ago. Passed away. Fell off got like in a fire in Connecticut. Something weird. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. It was, uh, it, it, it was an accidental death and there's yeah. a lot of sad pieces around that story. And, yeah, I just heard you know, that, that company was actually on the, on the verge of bankruptcy um, and – you know, Tony came in and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give people the opportunity to return the shoes for free, free shipping on return. And the board of directors lost their mind. This was before it was commonplace. Yeah, because you, you know, think I mean, that everybody's going to return the shoes over. Yeah, over, and this, over, I mean, we, Zappos was like 2005. Like this is like yeah, way long yeah. time ago where like nobody was doing this kind of stuff yet. Right. And, and he blazed that trail and the whole thing, their whole motto was deliver happiness. He has yes. a great book called delivering the, happiness. Yeah. The name of the book. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he was like, what are people's biggest objection to buying shoes online? They're worried they're not going to fit or they're not going to look good. So let's just remove that objection for them ahead of time. And it instantly took off and he sold it to Yahoo. I was it Yahoo. Not sure. Like it was exactly. Yahoo. Not sure. I don't even know. He sold Amazon. it for like a billion two in like 2008. Yeah. Amazing. It was, it was incredible. Counter, Absolutely incredible. Counterintuitive model. Totally counterintuitive. Absolutely. Model. But yeah. Right? But again, 
knowing your customer, knowing their pains, knowing what they want and overcoming their objection before they even get to you, which in this case was his website. Yep. Right. So I have no money right now. Right. How do you overcome that objection ahead of time? Right. Put something in place that finds out whether or not they're in a financial position to move forward with you. And you see this executed very, very well in, in many types of uh, application style funnels, right. right? Where are you at in your business? How many people are working with you? What's your current revenue? Um, you know, what are you looking to spend on marketing this year? You know, if this is a right fit for you, you know, or when do you want to be moving forward? Right. And, and if they, if they, if they answer, you know, a year from now, or have no money right now, right? Then you send them a different piece of information. You don't book them to, to a meeting or a strategy session or a sales call because it's a waste of time for both of you right now. And it's going to force you into one of those heavy handed tactics. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a pre-qualifying approach, right? Yeah. Pre-qualifying approach works super, super well. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's your price is too much. Someone does it cheaper. Or, or can you work with me on price? I mean, it, right? It's, can you work with me on just, price? You know, these are normal things that happen. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you, I have to make concessions sometimes with people to get them to move forward. I'm not saying I don't ever make concessions, but I want people to know before they get to me the size of company that I typically work with, right? So at my agency, for example, I put out in all of our information, every podcast I do, every referral partner we have, every piece of literature, we work with companies who are currently spending $1,000 per day on paid media and they're looking to scale to $10,000 per day plus, right? The people in that group, they know and can afford my price point. Almost every single one of them that I speak to, when I say this is what it costs to work with me, they go, yeah, that seems reasonable, right? Because I'm not pitching it to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I don't take on startups. I don't take on people who have $100 a day ad budgets because I know it's not financially responsible mm -hmm. for them to engage with me. So by putting out in the marketplace who we work with very, very clearly I don't have people showing up saying, oh, you're too much, such and such does it cheaper. On the rare occasion when somebody does slip that in, I clearly have my value proposition laid out to blow that comparison out of the water. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a one man show. You know, when you work with us, you get creative, you get copywriters, you get tech, you get a, a project manager, you get a campaign manager, you get a strategist, you get access to me. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years and done almost a billion dollars in sales. That's not what you get over there, but you're welcome to go and give that a shot if you want. Right. Yeah. And it's, so all, I, and, and it's also figuring out a way when you're having these conversations to have like a Mercedes Benz versus a Hyundai conversation, right? If you can, if you've really stacked your offer the right way, so to speak, you can say, listen, point. right. You can say, listen, you know, we, the reason price feels a little high to you is because we really look at ourselves as the Mercedes Benz of fill in the blank. 
And and, and again, a Hyundai, Mercedes-Benz, they'll both get you from point A to point B, but there's just, there's just a different level of feel and performance up here. And you can, well, and, you can and, go and you, that route. You bring route up a great point. You bring up a great point. Whatever it is that you're offering in the world, look at your price point in the marketplace and ask yourself, am I delivering two to three times more value than what I'm offering this for? And if you can 100% believe and feel comfortable that that is the case, then your confidence level will be off the charts when you explain that. Yeah. I personally believe, you know, when you engage with us, you should be paying us twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a month. But that's not what we charge because the audience that I work with can't justify that at the moment they get to me. Mm-hmm. But I feel 100% like that's what we should be charging, right? So if you have created your value stack and it's so overwhelmingly good and you've spoken to your audience ahead of time so they clearly know who you're looking to work with and who you engage with, then the whole, it's too much, someone does it cheaper, rarely comes up. Yeah, and, and then you, you don't get negotiated with, right? There's nothing worse than ending up in a situation where you're making a presentation and you end up in price negotiations. It, it's, it's, it's awkward for everybody. In fact, you probably should position your offer in a way or your service in a way where it's non-negotiable. Because people, they, they, they respect the leadership and the positioning of you and what it is that you do when you don't cut deals. Like it, it, I, I feel like when you're constantly cutting deals, you look desperate and it's a little bit of weakness. And it's almost like you're not really sure about your thing. You're cutting, like you're quick to diminish the value of it. And I think that can be dangerous as well. So, you know, also a piece of this, Aaron, is some will, some won't, right? It, you know, yep. it, you, there's always going to be no's. There's always going to be yeses and there's always going to be thinking about its people in the middle. And I think where we're going here is that you really need to have a path for all of them. You need a path for the nose. The nose, don't be a buy or die salesperson. Don't, don't not have strategic follow-up for those that say no, because most people are saying no, but only no right now. Maybe not no later with the right follow-up communication. And the ones who are in the middle thinking about it, maybe, right? Have something for them. They're on the fence. And and that, I mean, you talked a little bit about you know, the SW4 concept, right? Some will, some won't. So yeah. what? Someone's waiting. Is that what it's right? called? The SW4? You, you, I hadn't you, heard that. You have to have, I have zero attachment to the outcome. I expect the best, but I have zero attachment to the outcome. And, and because I don't have any attachment to the outcome, they don't feel the pressure and I don't feel the pressure. I'm simply delivering what I can do. Yep. Then it, they, they have to make a decision whether or not, you know, it works for them. But it takes me to the last two points, which is, you know, I've got to, I've got to talk to my business partner. I've got to talk to my spouse or I've got to think about it or whatever. Right. For me, I remove that right from the equation. I don't let anybody get started with me on the first day. Right. Like for me, I'll send some, I say, okay, so here's the next steps. I'm going to send you a proposal with a complete breakdown. Okay. I want you to review it. If you've got any questions, send me an email, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. I can't take you on until X, Y, Z day, right? But we could get started on that day if this is the right fit for both of us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to book a follow-up appointment three days from today at this time. Does that work for you? Yes? Okay, great. In those three days, talk to your partner, talk to your spouse, review the proposal, send me any questions you have, 
Let's reconnect on that day. We'll go through it. And if we're both decide we're a good fit for each other, then we'll move forward on the X day that I talked about that. So I've just snatched the pressure right out of the situation, both for them and for me. And they're kind of like, wow, first off, this is a pro. Secondly, he's not trying to know, get the money now, right? No, they don't need me. Like I, people be like, can I just give you my credit card? No, no, no. I don't want your credit card right now. Let me just send you the proposal. We'll go ahead. Because if anything, I've actually found that the people that are, that are like hyper go now, like yeah. you've got to give me the card, blah, 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 blah. They're, they're making a rash decision and they're probably going to be a nightmare client for me anyway. Yeah. You know, we talked as, about, as we, like, we, we talked about this episode back about slowing down the sales process. Yeah. That's tough to do, but that's what the pros do is they, they don't, they don't need to rush. No. And, and it's funny, like January just came around and I was trying to ease into the new year and like put some new processes in place and stuff. And I got absolutely smacked because there was about, you know, a dozen people that had been in the pipeline over the last four months. They're like, that they were like, you know what? It's just not the right time right now. We need to do this first or this first. No problem. Hit me up when you're ready. And sure enough, new year, new year's resolutions, one new things. We got but if you, but if you had beat them down, they weren't ever coming back. So they wouldn't have circled yeah. back around, obviously. Yeah. There was no pressure. There's no aggression. Yep. There was no attachment yep. on my behalf. And that is very, very attractive. It is. And, to and, your and, ideal and, client. And it takes a long time, Aaron, to get to the point that you just said where you can go into a presentation, a sales call, a from stage presentation, and really not care too much. And when I say don't care, it, it doesn't mean like you just don't care about the business. Like you don't care if they say no. You don't care if they say yes, because you have so much deal flow, so much potential, so much lead gen happening that some will say yes, some won't. And when you don't have emotional attachment, like you said, to the outcome, you don't need to push the sale. You give people their space. They respect that and they will circle back around more so than if they got beat up a little bit. And it, but no, and it, it just takes some time to get there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you're using this sort of methodology, the one thing I always tell people is when you're starting from scratch, you know, it takes like three weeks to even start to fill a pipeline. Yeah. And, you know, typically I see clients that take three months before they get in like a consistent groove, you know? So it, it, you have to have that patience in the beginning of filling the pipeline, establishing the process, you know, getting it full. And once you get it full, oh my goodness, you know, you, 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 you really get to the point where you need to say more no's than yeses. Yeah, which brings it all back to marketing at the end of the day, right? Marketing and sales are so intertwined. Most people divide it and they think they're two separate things. But if your marketing is really well, I wrote this in my book, Sales Velocity, you know, great marketing always precedes a great sales process. A great sales process has trouble existing on its own because it won't have enough deal flow coming into it. It can be a good sales process, but great marketing just puts more and more people in the flow and doesn't allow you to get so emotionally attached to the few deals and the few presentations that you have. Good marketing just gives you the ability to get in front of more people. More people you get in front of, more presentations you have, the less resistance there is because the less attachment you have to the outcome. And you know this is like a spider web, right? You, you, you could tie all of our episodes together and there's a spider web effect right here where it's not one thing that has to happen, it's multiple things that have to, have to happen synergistically for your sales process to be pretty much resistance free. Yeah. And that's what I want. 
I want to do business with the people who already know, like, and trust me. I want to do business with people who know how I operate. I want to do business with people I like and trust. And, and I want to have what I like to call lead abundance. Mm-hmm. So I can pick and choose who I want to engage with so that I can have a stress-free, happy life. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell, tell you one of the holes I see in all this now is we talked about the three phases of people. Some just are not interested at all. Some are in thinking about it and some are ready to go right now. There's really three buckets, right? And everybody falls under those three buckets. And you know, it's amazing to me when I've been on presentations and I've taken pitches and they've done the right things leading up. They've done the right things on the presentation. And when I say, you know, sounds good. Let me mull it over, talk to a partner, whatever, you know, do the same things most people do. And then I never hear from them again, which is amazing to me because that middle person who is clearly a good candidate in thinking about it could easily be moved towards a decision in a week or a month with the right follow-up. And again, it just comes down to just they're on to the next one. And then when that happens, me as the consumer now, because I'm always looking at it very analytically because it's my business, right? I look at it and I go, man, if they've ne- they never want to follow up, maybe I was like ready to go right now. I just needed to talk to somebody. I never heard from the guy again. So if I didn't buy right now, are they really a buy or die type model? And, that, and then, I, then I lose respect, right? Because you couldn't put four or five follow-up emails over the course of a week out. You couldn't send a package in the mail. You couldn't make a follow-up call saying, hey, you know, I know you were on the fence last week. Wanted to check and see how you're doing. No pressure. Just wanted to see if maybe you want to grab one of these spots. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Great leading up, great during, and then nothing after. I see that probably more than anything else is the lack of follow-through. And, and that just comes down to to having a full, encompassing, elegant process, which yeah. we talk about all these different facets on all of our different episodes. And, you know, when you get them right, you know, and you put them in place, this becomes fun. It becomes easy. You work with the people you want to work with. You're never in lead poverty, you know, and um, you establish a fantastic reputation for yourself because you're working with the people who, who closest match your core competency. Yeah. And listen, it's one of the reasons we started Pipeline Pro. You know, Pipeline Pro powers the sales velocity show. If you look at the branding, that is our, our sales and marketing software platform that handles the lead coming in, categorizes it, handles the lead at the time of it, maybe becoming sale and then follows up with it all on a dashboard where you can see it. We filled the need for ourselves before we filled the need in the marketplace. And that's always something to think about too. If you've gone through something that helped you overcome a process and now you've created a, we talked last week on the Tom Brady episode about the TB12 method, same thing, right? Filled the need for himself, created a method around it. And now there's a need that can be filled out in the public. When you can be in that situation right there, you're never, like you said, great term in lead poverty, right? Because A, you have a system to handle it. B, you have a method that's very clear. On that note, I think this show's a wrap, my friend. Any final takeaways? Uh, this doesn't have to be hard. That's why we talk about less resistance. Doesn't have to be hard. Doesn't have to be difficult. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of just taking your head out of the out of the difficult. I think sales just in general with presentations, people just get guard upish with presentations as a whole. Um, but just relax, right? If you do a presentation, just make sure you have a system to support it because not everybody's going to buy right now. But ultimately, you get some more no's with great follow-up, great marketing, great systems as we talk about time uh, and time again. But yeah, short one today. Want to just, you know, get a couple mental shifts in place for all of you here today. Uh, next episode, we have a good one for you. We're going we're gonna to let it all hang out in the next episode. I don't want to tell what that episode is because uh, 
you got to come back. I mean, you have to be here on Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern if you want to catch us live. But if not, download the show. You're probably listening. Uh, if you're watching, download the show on Apple, Google, Stitcher, I think Amazon, maybe Pod, uh, Spotify, not sure. Uh, but great to listen to it on the go. Always fun, Aaron. Good one here today. And I'm going to wrap it here. We'll see you in the next episode of Sales Velocity. Everybody have a great one. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.